Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What is happy? What is happy? I think if we pay attention, our society in a great way loses its wondering what happy really is. If I could say anything today, and I've done this for the last few years, uh, this case today, New Year's Day falls on the Sabbath. Here we are. And we could ask ourselves, what am I going to do different? I'm going to start or I'm going to be what I've always been? Am I going to do what I've always done? Am I going to live like I've always lived? Or am I going to do something different? See, we're we're decision-based. That was said earlier. We all make decisions multiple times every day. And hinged on those decisions are the results of those decisions for all of us. You were here for Sunday school this morning to focus on God's Word. Central focus on God's Word. I don't think we could get any better advice than that. As we Look into the Word this morning, and you can open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Back to what I was referring to, as I do, or have done the last several years. And I think about this, I dwell on it a lot. What could I say on the beginning day of a new year? And especially this one again, beginning because this is the very first day of the new year. What could I say? What could I present? That would be meaningful. It could be encouraging. That could mean something. And I see the word. I don't. It, whether it's preached on September the twelfth or January the first or any other time, I see the word, and I've always expounded this: that the word is something that we should take with us from church. Amen. We don't leave it at church. If you leave the word at church and you walk off for a whole another week or however long it is before you come back and then you want to pick it up again it really doesn't do you a whole lot of good I'm not saying it's ineffective because the word of God is always effective but when we take it with us and live it and apply it and, and do the word we talked about this matter of fact uh, in some extent uh, this past Wednesday night doing and I refer you to a, a section of scripture not in Hebrews but this would be part of my advice and I shared this the other night it's out of Galatians 5, it's chapter, uh, verse 25, and it says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we're walking in the Spirit of God. If we're walking in the Spirit of God, we're walking in the Spirit of God because we've got the Word of God as a model. Amen. So I, I think words uh, of encouragement, words of great advice, or that alone in a, a year, hey, walk in the Spirit, everybody. Amen. Matter of fact, right before that, it says if, if we live in the Spirit, it says let us walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us 
walk in the Spirit. And we have the greatest instrument known to be able to do that. That's the Word of God. Book of life. Not the Lamb's book of life. This is the book of life. We live on earth. We live a life on earth. This is the book by which we, by God's own design and by God speaking it, and actually the Word being Christ himself, as John said in 1 and 1 in his gospel, the Word is our empowerment. The Word is our means of life. The Word is our way through life. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Amen. And so it is. And the more we are about Him, the more we are about His Word, the more we are truly about walking in the Spirit, spirit the, the more powerful our life becomes in, by, and through Him. I want to share something this morning out of this 13th chapter of, of Hebrews. And I asked a question earlier, um, what is happy? I think if we're honest, as we observe even people around us that we share everyday life with, that we rub elbows with, as the old saying goes, and we all do, right? How many people do you rub elbows with every day? How many people do you meet and greet? How many people do you pass by? Have you ever really wondered, are they really happy? Happy New Year's an easy term to say. Flies right off the lips. Sounds wonderful. Do you know the Bible, when it comes to the term happy, really has only one definition? And it's far different than what our world and our society and our culture has made it to be. Biblically, happy means blessed. That's the only way you can be blessed. By the blesser. The genuine blesser. So in answer my question, what is happy, and it's most evident, it doesn't take long to look around and, and you, you can find pure evidence of unhappy people everywhere. And that in, in itself has an effect upon society. Unhappy people have an effect upon communities. Unhappy people affect their families the relationships. Unhappiness is very damaging. In the defining term, in answering the question, what is happy? If we use the term and we even share it with each other and we direct it towards one another, what are we really saying? What is a way to be happy? Again, this culture and this society we live in, it's got a lot of different ways that people can chase happiness, but that doesn't make them happy. You can spend your entire fortune trying to be happy, but that don't make you happy. You can go to extremes, turn flips, and jump upside down, and whatever else you can find to do to try to beat happiness into yourself, but that don't make you happy. The Bible has a very unique way 
for people, God's people, to be happy, which means blessed. And in a very unique way itself, he's given us that ability to have within and of ourselves, by above all things, what he directs us to be and do in his word. Now, let me say one more thing about advice, or give some directive here on this wonderful first day of 2023. Man, I'll tell you what, I told somebody, I said, that, that sounds like science fiction stuff. Mm -hmm. 2023. Back yonder when I was in high school and college and early life, I, you know, hey, this was never going to happen. We wasn't going to ever make it to 2000. Something big was going to happen in 2000, but here we are, 23 years after the fact. So what else could I say, and this may seem a little crude, it may seem a little coarse, might even sound a little rough, but this, this has been coming to me for weeks that I need to tell the church. Don't be. And if you are being, stop being stupid. Now let me define that. I got to define it biblically. Biblically stupid simply means foolish to a great degree. It comes from the Hebrew word evilet. Think about that. Evil let. That's kind of unique, different. So what does foolishness do? Evil let. Let evil, okay? Again, if we're not observing, if we're not aware of cultural issues and cultural problems and, and, and things that's going on, we're, we're missing a lot and we do need to be observant. We don't need to focus on that completely and totally. But in observation, we see a tremendous amount of foolishness taking place in our society. It's gone to degrees far beyond, again, what we could ever even begin to have imagined. Sad to say, a degree of the church has bailed right in and joined the club. The Bible remarks on foolishness over and over and over and over again, from Old Testament through New. Basically says, don't be foolish. Don't do foolish things. Because foolish things are sinful things. And foolish things lead nowhere else other than destruction, unhappiness, depression, all kinds of other things. Now, something that is seemingly or observingly, let me change that, observingly, charted its course whenever way back I have no idea when it started but very observable <coughs> is something that the writer of Hebrews relates to in this 13th chapter and it, it's uh, such a prevalent thing in our world today and we see so many victimized being caught up in 
inundated in. Sometimes I guess we could say strangled by <coughs> this very thing. Speaking of unhappiness, it's a miserable place to be. You agree? A miserable place to be. And there are a lot of things that bring unhappiness into our lives. Different things create that. And sometimes our ways in attempt to try to heal that unhappiness leads us to nothing else into other than more unhappiness. God's way never leads us the wrong direction. God wants, has brought about, has created the means and the way for a blessedness, and I'm moving away from the word happy because, again, the biblical definition is blessed. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to live blessed lives. He wants us to bless Him. And we can't properly bless God if we're chasing the world. But we can bless God when we, by His Word and through His Word and of His Word, comply with His Word, adopt His Word, Take his word upon us and live it and enjoy life by it. That's what brings us true happiness or blessedness. Now to the scriptures. Let me ask you a couple more questions. You're in chapter 13. We'll be there in a minute. You ever wonder? You ever wonder? And and again, I'm talking observations, and I've observed this multiple times since I've really been old enough to know to pay attention to it. <coughs> Seemingly, people who have the least in life <coughs> are some of the most happiest. I think a lot of that is because the will, the desire, the drive to obtain more and to get more and you know that seems to be kind of a perpetual theme for a while. I think it is a warning. These scriptures are a warning. I'm getting ready to give these scriptures are a warning. That is not the accumulation of things that brings happiness to people. It's one thing. Chapter 13, verse 5. This is such a powerful scripture that it's necessary that it be repeated and often 
attended all of us individually and I believe corporately as well as in the messages that we hear here uh, it's in a corporate environment that means all of us are hearing it at the same time if you're listening and I urge you to listen don't allow yourself to be distracted every word that cometh from the Lord is needful right Amen. don't let your minds wander off somewhere stay tuned I realized as I was studying this and researched that multiple times within the last year, within the last few years, you know, this this term, this this passage, even other passages that are associated, have been relentlessly taught and preached here. So there's a reason for that. We're where the emphasis and, and the need keeps coming back, and by coming back, I'm talking about Brother Tanner and I. We just we just keep getting this impulse, this inspiration. We got we got to keep giving it. We got to keep giving it because we got to keep giving it because evidently there's still a problem. Right. We'd like to think that everybody 100% gets the word and does it and and really looks at it and understands it and lets it apply to their lives and, and dig out things that need to be dug out and cast off and gain things that need to be gained, but that's not always the case. Sometimes we're too distracted to get what we need to be attracted to. Let your conversation be without covetousness. We're going to break it down. Again, we have a culture. I've been expecting about any time they're going to change the name of culture or something else like they've done all kinds of other things. It doesn't even seem like a culture anymore. I think I would tie the chaos. A chaotic world. But we live in a culture, we live in a chaotic world. We, we reside in a society. And we attend churches. People with an everlasting desire, a driving force, a, a compelling within themselves. A continuous want for more. More. And the more I can get, the happier I'm going to be. And please understand, I'm not preaching against having. There's a difference in having and being blessed by God than trying to accumulate everything you possibly can in order to fix your problem of unhappiness. Because you'll never be able to do that. If you want to be genuinely cured of unhappiness, you have to come to God. Amen. And you have to yield to God. And I'm talking yield, I'm talking about yielding your life. Yes. And blessing Him by doing so. Let your conversation be without covetousness remember a while ago I said let us walk in the spirit 
let your people. This is important. To let means to allow, to release to, to give way to. And sometimes some of the simplest words mean the most intense things, biblically. This is a personal invitation. It's a urging, stronger than an urging. Your conversation, your manner, your fashion, your lifestyle itself. You got to make a way for that lifestyle. You got to make a way for your mannerisms. You got you got to give way to. When you give way to something, you've got to move something else out of the way in order that that something you're giving way to can take precedent. And that is with the Word of God. Short and sweet, get the junk out of the way where the good can come in. If you don't remove the junk, you're going to be stuck with the junk that keeps people unhappy and makes them further unhappy again unhappy is miserable let your conversation be without covetousness without without means without What's without me? None. I think I can feel pretty safe in saying that this little item right here is one of the biggest problems of the Christian church today. Mm -hmm. Wanting, desiring, chasing, seeking, looking, doing everything possible can find that golden happiness out there. And they're doing it in many ways, running completely away from God in their pursuit of such, instead of towards Him. You know how you run towards God? You know how you run towards God? You do the things of God. Amen. Not the things of self, not the things of culture, not the things of society, not even the way somebody else says. Or the model somebody else is trying to present. People make all kinds of mistakes trying to chase and do the same thing somebody else is doing, using them for a model, and all they do is follow them off the cliff. That's going on every day, all day long, and unhappiness is increasing, which again affects everything else. An unhappy person is pretty much unfunctional, so to speak. I'm not saying you can't go through emotions and go through a habit or routine, but unhappiness just does devastating things to people. It disrupts life, does it not? It'll shut you down in great degree. All right? See... Without there in that scripture means void and free. Free. You like being free? Amen. Yes. 
<laughs> and then the son says free is free indeed. What Jesus said. How does he set you free? But what he said. He said, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you're keeping his word, you know his word. And his word is effective. And his word produces. And his word allows us not unhappiness, but happiness. Mm -hmm. And we're blessed. Yes. Because when we adhere to it. See, when we're without, and as in this scripture, when we're without covetousness, which is all this desire and greed and chasing and looking and beating ourselves to a pulp <laughs> trying to obtain. Because after again, they're at the end of that wonderful, not a rainbow. There's not a pot of gold. Even if there was, it's not going to fix unhappiness. Right. Oh. What we learn to be that fixes unhappiness. Without means you're not controlled by being covetous. Because covetousness controls your every move, your every action, your every thought, your everything you're consumed by. That's why the scripture's here. Let your conversation be without. Because again, with the intent here is to relay to the church. Again, I got to say it again. Ninety percent of the New Testament is written to the church. Right. It's not written to a sinful world that's chasing all kinds of things. It's written to the church. The warnings are to the church. The word is to the church. And then something saying you got to get away from this. You keep chasing this. You keep doing this. It's not going to end well. You got to bring yourself to the understanding that there's another way to go, the God way to go, that's going to bring true happiness. I'm going to ask you a question. Don't raise your hand. Don't even answer. Answer to yourself. But have you not found that possessions have a way of controlling you? Especially if you owe for them. Ouch. We've all been there. Man, I've tried to keep that debt, debt critter in the teeth many times. But you know what? It didn't go nowhere. Because I created it. So I have to be kicking myself, right? You know that's what's got a stranglehold on many people living in society today. Working them over. Absolutely taking every bit of attention, every bit of energy, every bit of anything they might have. Leading them into more unhappiness. Mm. This uh, brings about, if you research this as I have, some very interesting facts. Speaking of covetousness, and many times we sweep over that word because first place it just doesn't look very pleasant to us, especially if we are one. 
Anything wrong with admitting? That's another biggest problem. We're creatures that don't like to admit. But we need to admit some things. And this one right here stands out in our way maybe bigger than anything else. Because when you have a covetous nature, everything becomes about you. It simply does. It's not about anybody else but you. Getting what you want, anything you've got to do to get what you want, whoever you got to run over to get what you want, whoever you got to connive and concoct or whatever to get what you want, it becomes about you. Mm-hmm. That's why the warning's here yeah. for every Christian. It's not about you, it's about Jesus. Amen. Right? Amen. It's about each other. That's biblical. Boy, this doesn't sound like a very good Happy New Year sermon, preacher. It's all right, we're going to get it anyway. You know, good advice is hard to beat. Good advice is hard to beat. Good advice gets people out of strongholds. If they heed. Out of the pit. They'll reach up for help. Keep digging a deeper hole, deeper hole, deeper hole. The further down you go, further away from God you go. What a monster it is. A covetous person is often often brutal. (coughs) Downright mean. Really? I can show you evidence all through the word. A covetous person lies to the Holy Spirit. Oh. Where did you get that from, the Bible? Remember Ananias and Sapphira? You know, they sold the property, all the those of the, the early church was giving everything, 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 everything they had to the church. They show up, they sold a piece of property, they kept back part of it. And they show up all merry and great, like great Christians, you know. Let's waltz in the church, let's show her. Mm-hmm. You know what happened to them? Their sin was not keeping the money. I want you to notice this. Their sin was lying to the Holy Spirit. And what it cost them? It cost them their lives. Isn't that amazing? I think the point of that is there's always destruction from not only covetousness, but anything out of the line of the Word of God when it's taken to extremes. And again, this all these other things begin to set in to justify and corroborate and support and reinforce one's covetousness. And many times it goes completely unnoticed. Don't even realize you are one till you are one. And sometimes you still don't get it. So what's the effect of this upon the spirituality, our own spirituality, individually? What's the effect of it? What, what is the, what's the extended effect? If, if we're being covetous, what's the extended effect between spouses, family, 
extend into the community and further. What's the effect? It's great. The effect is great. It's huge. It's large. That's why we have this warning. That's why we have explicit warnings throughout the Word of God against this very thing that is so hindering and so obstructive to a life in Christ that is joyful and happy because this deteriorates it if allowed to run free and have its course. I think it's a great message for the beginning of the year. I said, me, I'll get it before you do. I'll tell you that all the time. We have to make adjustments. Continue reading the verse and be content. And be content. Everybody here got a foot? Roll the brakes on now. Let's stop at content. We got to look at this one. Again, I know you heard this before. Ask you what's happy, what's content. Biblically, what is content? As, as God implants it into his word, what does content mean? I'm going to share it with you. Content means sufficiently satisfied with what you have, get this, with what you have at the present. Sufficiently satisfied with what you have at the present. Now. That doesn't even seem logical, does it? But what about, well, what about this or that? See, our mind goes to this and that. I've always found this, if, if God hadn't meant it, he wouldn't have said it. Amen. If it had not been good for us, he'd have never said it. Right. Everything God's got in his word is good for us. <laughs> it leads us to that blessedness, or as we want to phrase it, happiness. And this is an explicit recipe right here of how to do that. But how many people among us are victims of this very thing? Amazing. <coughs> Be content. It's what you got being enough. Now, don't misread this, what I'm saying. Let me get through, then you can frame your thoughts. What you got being enough. It's a state of mind you have to arrive at. It's a frame of spirit you have to arrive at that what I've got now is enough. It doesn't mean that you can't have anything else because this is spiritual in nature. We have to develop this God-given, God-granted character within us that I've got to be satisfied that what I have now is enough. <coughs> hmm. A little further on the definition, and in doing so, we will be satisfied with sufficient strength. See, it all comes back to a, a neat little short scripture. 
that brings us exactly what we need in order to be happy instead of creating unhappiness and more unhappiness by trying to fix unhappiness again which does nothing grow to a greater degree and a greater depth it also takes away our energy when we're chasing everything other than what God is telling us. It takes away our energy and our strength away from. Do you ever wonder why so many people are totally dilapidated in this day and time and have no energy and have no strength and they're wore out? Because they're chasing happiness and they're not finding it the right way and they'll never find it the right way until they get it God's way. Amen. I'm talking to people in churches every day. There's a war out there. Can't even get up and come anymore. They're so chasing of the world that they're they're totally consumed in it. So is it having an effect or not? You want to be happy? Do you want to be blessed? Happiness is more than a momentary feeling. This kind of happiness, or this kind of blessedness, is engrafted into your DNA when you get it right. It becomes part of you. It's not a 30-minute commodity of some kind that you have to pay for. Or you have to burn yourself out for. Or wear yourself out chasing. It's a blessed treasure because it enlightens life. It brings a joy that people never had, or either if they had it at one time, they lost it because they're chasing everything but God's joy. Interesting. After that, it says. Be content with such things as you have. With such things as you have. That means that which is beside you now. And it's not so much things. It's people. They got chills all over me right now. It's people. How many have absolutely vacated their love, their care, their concern for people right next to them to chase whatever it is? trying to find that happiness again that they'll never find until they look in the right place. <coughs> what about people? This is something that I've very often expounded on. I mean, it's just like, like Jeremiah said, fire locked up in my bones that we got to get relationships right. If we don't get relationships right, we're never going to get anything right. God's the author of relationships, first of all, with Him. 
He created a means to have a relationship with him through Jesus' son. Because short of relationship with God, relationships with people are the most dear and precious things we can ever have. Worth all. And the very central focus part of the scripture being covetousness or greed or want or driving force to do whatever it takes and everything it takes, it, it completely causes us again to abandon where everything really truly lies. Real happiness. No wonder we live in such an unhappy world full of unhappy people that are living an unhappy life. They're affecting an unhappy society. With such things as you have beside you, latter part of verse five. <coughs> For he had said, speaking of the Lord, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What greater could you ever have? Amen. What dream any greater could you chase than to know and have the absolute confidence that he never leave you and never forsake you? Again, this is something you have to get spiritually. We all have needs. In this life, we function off of things. We know that. Again, I'm not talking about you can't have things or possessions, that's not the full thrust unless that's all you're about. It's something that has to be developed within the heart and the soul, and I'll say the mind and the body, your entire makeup. That I've got God, what else do I need? Who else do I need? If he never leaves me, this is a promise by God himself. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. How much huger can it get? How much more magnitude do we need to add and try to decorate the defining of this? None. It's woo time. Look what God has done, right? We'll read verse 6 about to close. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me or can do unto me. What in the world does that mean? Why is that thrown in here? That's another quote from earlier passages. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man 
Shinyeller can't do them. Well, think about it this way, and I'm not saying that this is exactly what the scripture means, and I'm not trying to change the word. Simply think of it this way. I will not fear what man shall do to me or has the ability to do to me. Who is it that creates the chasing? Okay, who is it that builds the stuff that people chase? That there's always a price attached to it. Decorated just right. Woo, you talk about enticing now. How many times have you bought something after you bought it? You're sorry you bought it. Yeah. I think I've asked you that question before. You got guilt over it. Too late now, huh? That's just an example. Think about it. We've got the Lord. He's promised us. He's always with us. He's never going to forsake us or leave us. Not fear, not give allegiance to or not give time to or anything that man can do to us because we've got everything we need in God. Amen. That's the way it happens. Contentment in God is the way it happens. If you're content in God, you have no other wants really. And he'll provide. Now that's not saying that you yourself designed as we are to humans again to make decisions and live life and have jobs and, and want things. That's that's not saying that that's wrong. But when you realize that your creator is plenty able to take care of you, provide in his way, we'll be blessed and we'll be happy. I'll leave you with a question today. Are you happy? Are you happy? Is your heart merry? Solomon said, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Happiness makes your heart merry. A merry heart affects people for the good. This is something that even though you don't see it in the scripture, something that must be shared. Shared. And in the sharing of it, further empowered, further blessed, further made happy. You ever been a little bit happy and then you do some good and then all of a sudden you're more happy? You bless somebody else and then you're more happy? I'll leave you with this and I got three of them. This is my third one. I charge for the year. Do good. Do good. At every opportunity, do good. You'll be blessed. And you'll be happy. Would you stand? soul may be unhappy today because you don't know the Lord if that's the case don't feel like you're some kind of an alien because you're in the right place we all were in a place one time when our soul was unhappy and we might not have known it but God sent a way to 
Remedy that unhappiness. He sent his son. If you're here this morning, you might not know him. You might never receive Christ as your Savior. Maybe you haven't drifted away or whatever. I'm going to give an invitation this morning to allow you to uh, make a decision. Now, what I've said all through this, and I'm not so foolish as not to know that times occur in life that creates unhappiness. That's Life does that. And that's really not specified in the scripture. That That's part of human life. Sometimes it's things, events happen and makes us unhappy. Sometimes destructively unhappy. You know, God can even help with that. It's amazing what he can do. If you're here this morning, you just need Jesus. Let me put it that way. If you need Jesus, and give you an opportunity to come. If you need prayer, there's those here that will pray with you. If you want to respond this morning, Jesus is waiting. If you want to leave different than you came, you can. If you respond, you will. Amen. All right. Got somebody already. <laughs> Buddy. What you want? Give me that. What you want? Y'all gonna help this little guy when he wants to be saved. Thank you.